Welcome to the Draw.Biz Podcast, your weekly dose of fantasy footy content. G'day everyone and welcome back to another episode of The Draft Doctors. I'm your host Stevie Fears and today we're talking regression candidates. That's right, players we think who are set to regress in 2022 for one reason or another. Um, I think there's going to be some interesting picks on the table uh, and to talk about those things, I welcome the Statesman. Hello, listeners. I'd like to apologise first. Um, if it sounds like I'm in a war zone, uh, unfortunately there's a little thing up here called Territory Day, and that's where everyone basically has 48 hours to purchase many fireworks as they would like. And sun is just going down, and I can hear it in the distance, and so no doubt there's going to be some very loud noises soon coming through the microphone. So, not much sleep happening tonight, I don't think, gentlemen. Territory Day sounds uh, sounds amazing. Yeah, imagine yeah, having those great. freedoms in life. Celebrate yeah. that. Celebrate yeah, that state. Okay. Celebrate it. Yeah. And of course, I don't think there is a Queensland Day, but if there was, it'd just be putting <laughs> I don't know what powder finger on and slamming four X golds and. Jumping Having into, pumpkin scones. Jumping into the brown snake at some point. <laughs> uh, Cam, how are you going? Pumpkin scones. Yeah. Mate, I I'm I love that Territory Day sounds a lot like The Purge, the movie. <laughs> like, yeah. It's just... Uh, yeah, Kane. Kane. Let's get into it. Yeah, so... I thought uh, I thought Cracker Nights got banned nationwide, like, decades ago. I thought it was just, um... What's Canberra. that place in Canberra? Fishwick. <laughs> Fishwick. Yeah. That were, didn't you used to get videos from there? I, I think there's a lot of things. That <laughs> so you fireworks replace the porn. I, <laughs> I think the porn might still be there, mate. Yeah. <laughs> Some with a bang. Something with a bang. So we'll. Uh, we'll, <laughs> we'll there was a, there was some football on this weekend. Uh, I'm told, uh, but the big news was Chera. Uh, the worst secret uh, going around is announced leaving Fremantle. I'll just get your quick take. Who's the big winner in this? Uh, it's so wrong, but it's so right. Mm. Mm. And you've got to think Brayshaw as well. But you also, um, you'd think Fife will be sort of heading to that sort of forward line mix. Uh, and Mundy obviously looks like he's going to go on, but he's just going to reduce his time in the midfield. So I think the two are going to be big. I think they're the big two for Frio for the years moving forward. What I find really interesting is that even at the tail end when they were playing Chera, Sarong and Brayshaw in the guts, that Longmire's like, we need another mid. We we need another mid so badly. And I, I, Longmuir. Longmuir, sorry, yeah, yeah. Uh, who did I say? Longmire. Hell. I've been parted. Well done, Stato. I've been. Uh, anyway, uh, I th- think, you know, I find it. I actually think Fife could end up back in the middle as a result, just from yeah, they, could do. the yeah. necessity is there. So even though he's going to be cracking 31, I, I feel like there's a good upside for Fife as well. Hmm. I love Sarong. You'll never get, like, Brayshaw will get all the attention. Oh, yeah. 
he might not be able to be ranked high enough. But of course, we are talking regression candidates here on the Draft Doctors podcast, brought to you enough, by Marlboro. Enough being positive. Let's get into the negatives. Yeah. So, Cam, why don't you, maybe you can kick us off. Who's your first regression candidate? Well, when I when I said my first candidate, it was actually my second candidate in the group chat. Your result would best. Uh, your uh, response, Steve, would best be described as surprised. Potentially, uh, I think the comment from you was it was his worst average in five years, uh, and I'm oh, talk- yeah. talking about Lockie Whitfield. And I, I think if I just to to get this one out of the way, you're thinking that it's his worst average in five years. Surely he's going to bounce back to some form. Steve. Um. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. Okay. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I've got some questions because I don't know what position. Like we assume you'll have probably defender midfield status. Um, yeah. I don't think anything's a given, but yeah. So I've been charting him a little bit over the last few weeks. I, I was an owner this year, and so I paid pretty close attention to what he was doing week on week. And in the last five weeks specifically, uh, his role has pretty significantly changed, and it's seen his scoring fall off a bit of a cliff. He's had one good game across that five-week period where he scored 112. But otherwise, it was 80, 80, 65, 84, and very similar scores in Supercoach and AFL Fantasy. So either format is seeing a little bit of a drop because of the role. And I think it's because they've got just a plethora, plethora? Plethora of emerging halfback rebounding players in Connor Idun. Yeah, Isaac Cumming, Lockie Ash, and hell, even Jake the Snake Stein this week just dropped like a really good score and was outstanding playing on Tom Tom Papley in a bit of a shutdown role. And then you throw in someone like a Nick Haynes. There's a heap of players there. And what it's done is left Lockie Whitfield play through the corridor, which, and and that's exactly where he's played. So it's, it's, his heat map is extremely thin. It's it's basically through the center square and through the dead center of the center square. Um, it generally wouldn't be too bad to have a heat map like that, except for the fact that GWS are playing along the wings. So he's just not seeing the ball come through the corridor, which is, uh, you know, obviously a bit challenging. The second aspect that I'd put to this is that his role is less free. Like, he's been an excellent scorer when he's been, you know, technically a half forward or technically a half back. But it's because he's been given free reign in those roles to just basically run wherever he wants and, you know, make space. But it looks like they're trying to build more of a structure behind the ball. And I think that means that it's probably going to, his role will be less free next year as well, regardless of if he's half forward, half back, or running through that corridor. Less freedom. Intra, like different-ish role. Uh, to me, it just smells like a someone who's gone a 97 this year in AFL Fantasy could drop down to a 92 or a 90. Um, and in your super coach, probably probably ends up slightly higher, like a 92. What do you get this year? 92. Might, may not regress in super coach. You're, not, you're painting a pretty, pretty dark picture there, Cam. It's we're in negative negative Sunday today, Steve. Mm. We're in the the dark zone. This I, I don't know. I just feel it doesn't look great. He um he did miss a lot of footy. 
He, met he that- missed his pre-season. He had uh, had a slow start, and his time on ground was quite low compared to what we see with uh, Lockie Whitfield because of that injury. Remember, it was was it liver or kidney? One Liv- or the other liver. Liver. Um, it Bruce took liver. him. It took him four weeks to reach full running capacity like, of playing, and he was just like, "Yep, I think I'm back." After then, and it saw him score a couple of really big tons. However then the role change he was playing that half back role in that in the period when he was scoring really big taking kick outs all that sort of stuff and that sort of dried up in his last six rounds um he only went below 80 once um and he got 132 and 112 in those last six home and away games so uh, uh, you've looked, uh, the 130 yeah i went the last five but um went below 80 once, but he also got two 80s on the dot. Like, I I don't think 80 is a good pass mark for someone you'd expect to be going 107. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah, I just, I honestly just don't see it, Cam. He'll okay. be one of the, he'll be my first defender that I pick. I Actually, I think he'll be an underpriced premium. And because of his 97, although it, it, it's interesting, I, I think Hall's going to be the standout in any sort of draft structure because of his uh, great run. But to be honest, if I've, just say I've got the second or third defender pick, um, I'm sitting there tossing up between, well, I'm always tossing up, but um, I'll be uh, looking at options between Lloyd and Whitfield. Okay, cool, fair enough. Always, to be my D2. I always just think with class players, they, um, I don't think they're going to... I hate saying they want the ball in his hand because I reckon it's one of the most hacked expressions, but I would imagine <laughs> they fucking want Lockie Whitfield to have the ball. Yeah. Yeah. But but it, it's, it's true the point you say is they're starting to have quite a few options. So coming and Aish are two that coming really good out of there. I I actually hope to see he's back on the wing. Yeah, that that was kind of my gut feel as well. Like he should be running around the wing. And so when you see his heat map, when you watch him play, he literally just runs in a straight line down the middle. It's bizarre. Yeah, mm. yeah. yeah I, rec- I reckon I'd give him a pass, but he, you know, hey, it'd be it's interesting. Mm. Interesting, it is. It is. Stato, what do you got for us? Well, I'm going one of the big dogs for this year and someone that's probably going to get picked in the top three picks of redrafts. And that's someone because he's the highest averaging player for this year. It's Took Miller, 122 average in 2021. Very much about a year. Uh, in fact, it's a 31-point bump on his highest ever average in previous seasons. Um, that's basically the first flag. Because you've heard me talk about the Brownlow, Brownlow hangovers before. Well, it's pretty much the same for Banny years. Um, I think the other key item that we, we've got to really think about is this team, as it's moving forward, needs to spread the load. And I think that's exactly what's going to happen moving forward. So Noah Anderson, I think, will take a big step next year, being his third season. I think we're all hoping we get to see the real Matty Rao, which we didn't see this year. But to be fair to him, it was his second year of injury and it was a little bit different. Um, and obviously created him a few problems, and I think he's going to be really good for a full preseason. Greenwood could 
and probably should be back in the guts. They need that sort of extra worker. And I think Jeremy Sharp will continue to develop too. He really had some good games at the back end of the year. And, of course, there is that discussion factor that they're looking to add one or two more midfielders. So whether that be a Seb Ross or whatever to create a little bit more pressure. So all these factors will actually reduce his share of the ball. They're not just magically going to get an extra 50 possessions per game. Uh, I don't expect by any part of the imagination that he goes back to a 90 averaging again. But I think it's more realistic it's around a 105 to 112 average. And he really, in my eyes, should be a tier two mid, but likely to go in the top three of any redraft. Do you really think he will? I don't think he's going to do 120 average again. No, no, I mean, do you think he actually goes in top three? In yeah, and out? I, I, think I, so. I find it hard to believe people would click on Took. I, I think that early. people are off the Grundy Gorn situation. I think Rucks have stunk it up. So they will go a mid to start with. I don't think there's going to be any forward that just sort of screams at us. Uh, Aaron Hall's going to be the, the D1 when you look at average. I don't think people are going to pick him in the top three picks of a draft. There might be a few that get a little bit uh, sway to that. So I think they're going to go the midfielders. And I think Jack Steele, yeah. I think Took Miller are just those two that call out they saw the ceiling last year and will bank that in. I don't reckon anyone's drafting him over Titch. And I- yeah, I, th- I think that's fair. I, I, I'm, yeah. um, although if you ask Doss, he was gone at about round 13, the idiot. But but you're, you're right, um, Titch is the pig and that's what they will pick. But that's why I say top three. Who's who's next? Maybe Merritt? McRae. Maybe Merritt? McRae, but um, this McRae's gone cold a bit. Yeah. Second half of the year. But, yeah, he's around the mark. Yeah, I, I reckon I'd look for players that I know have done it before before I look for Took, who's done it once. It would just be the way that I'd go. Except for Jack Steele, he'd be the one that I would yeah. break that rule. But it's hard to deny when he's sitting there on the draft and there's 122 average. 100%. And people saw consistently a ceiling this year. It was you know crazy. Like, you know why they won't? Because, and I'll tell you the exact comparison, is you've got a history of a guy like Jared Lyons who's been a role player for years on end and then he's still going super late. I think Took Miller's going to have that same thing. But the, the your concerns are the justified point, and you hope someone takes him in the top three in your draft. Yeah, absolutely. Um, pushing if, if he gets value, to you, if he it, gets to you at seven, you have to take him, right? Like it, it's sort of that thing where it's like, oh fuck, oh. <laughs> yeah. It it all depends how the preseason's going. So if everyone's fit and firing, so you've got Noah Anderson just killing it. You got Matt Rowe who looks like the Matt Rowe we expect. You got Greenwood that looks like he's a starting mid and they've recruited Seb Ross and they're playing him in the guts. Then I think I'm passing him at seven. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good take. More competition always uh always a bad thing. You don't yeah. need it. You yeah. don't need it. Uh, my first one, you guys have spoken about um some pretty big names there. I'll continue the theme with Kyle Langford. Massive. Sorry, big big names. Yeah, big names. Well, big names. Yeah. and it doesn't. I wanted to choose someone who's not old. Um, 
we sort of threw the challenge out in the in the group chat, trying not to choose old players. But one thing we know, like I didn't actually notice it. The guy in our league pointed it out. He goes, "Do you think it was funny that all the players who really popped this year from the late range were old?" Yeah, like Zebel, yep. Hall, uh, Heppel. Like a lot of these guys, the old guys had had pretty banging years. So Kyle Langford, I think, is actually going to come in by average quite high. Uh, especially for AFL Fantasy. He averaged the 86, but when you remove like the Zeebles, Halls, etc., who are going to lose that forward status, he'll probably be close to being top five by average for the forwards next year, assuming he retains wow. it, which I believe he will. Um, and like Stoda was saying, once that average is staring you in the face on your, on your draft yep. list, um, you tend to take him a little bit early, or s- someone will. Uh he has been pretty good for fantasy, but we've been picking him up off the waiver wire in years past. Uh, but once uh, the, the Essendon team's obviously on a rise, he had a hot patch in the middle of the year where it was just ton after ton after ton after ton. But he was just playing pure midfield. The other weeks mm-hmm. that didn't happen, and he was more like a 78 averaging player, which is that's fine. That's very usable in our forward lines these days. But just with a fit Dylan Shield, a fit Andy McGrath, uh, Jai Caldwell with a hopefully a, a clean go at things for Eston. Uh, we've seen Stringer get into the midfield, whether he stays there or not. They've just got their, their midfield starting to bat pretty deep. And a guy like Kyle Langford, in my opinion, uh, he's just going to be on the outside. And I think you saw that this year. And even with some of these guys like a McGrath, there'll be less disposals on the outside as well. Um, so I just, I just can't get around it's probably an easy one to miss but i think the forward lines again they'll probably be pretty thin there might be some bigger names like a fife and etc etc but he'll still sit high probably won't be as uh high up in super coach he might be a late teen by average but he's certainly someone who is going to regress and i just want to point that out for the listeners like i think when we look at these guys and say he comes in at f6 by average they won't drop him to F30. They'll drop him... Oh, I'll drop him down six spots mm. rather than dropping him 20 spots, which is what they in, invariably do. Yeah, no, very true. It, it's funny. He's been one of the executive members of the JAG crew. He He's sort of always had that stank about him, but showed what he could do if he got the opportunity. And I think the key point for this one is just going to have less opportunities to be able to play that good role where he can rack it up. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Hopefully he's just a guy we can start picking back up off the way for Because he's yeah. good, good for that. Yeah, a couple of injuries and wham, bam, he can give you some good scores. Yeah, and when you're enjoying those good scores, make sure you're drawing in on a nice, smooth Marlboro... No, Cam, who's your next... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> who's your next uh... player? My next player is a midfielder who, until Corona Ball, had never averaged over a ton in either format, but he's gone to a whole new level in the last two seasons, culminating in 117 average this year in both formats of the game, actually, which is impressive in itself to equal your super coach and AFL fantasy. Across 22 games, might add to that, so consistently scored as well. Talking, of course, about Jared Lyons. Uh, absolutely incredible season, but and it's pretty short and sweet, this one. I, I can't really help but think there was a hell of a lot more stats to rack up with 
the ailments of Lockie Neal throughout the season. So he started the season with a back complaint. Uh, he followed that up with a soft tissue industry, uh, injury rather and a minor surgery. He managed 15 games through the regular season. Uh, I just kind of feel that that interruption also saw a drop in time on ground, which was actually his worst for the last three years. And in every stat across the board except for tackles, he dropped when compared to Corona Ball, which is phenomenal. Like, so it's it's a longer game. You kind of expect to at least maybe add a few extra stats in there, but he actually dropped across the board. Um, I, you know, obviously he played that 90% time on ground last year or something crazy as well, which was probably making it a little bit harder, but he did drop his time on ground this year. I've big tickets on Lockie Neal spending his entire off-season to get his body right. It feels like there's a bunch of challenges there at the moment. And you kind of saw the best of him in the final that was played this week. And if you reflect on how Jared Lyons scored in that, he ended up with an, you know 103 or 104, while Lockie Neal pumped out 140 in AFL Fantasy. So he went pretty big. Um but when you consider, you know, Lockie Neal coming good with his body, more time and ground, back to good form, and then the continued development over other guys that missed most of the year, like Jared Berry, for example, you kind of expect him to take the next step next year as well. And he again performed well in the final, where you're starting to build that fitness up, he's starting to get there, but it's just too late for fantasy. Um, I, I think that means that Lions probably going to come down from that 117 to more of a 102 to 105 mark hmm look it's an interesting one it's it all depends to me it all depends where a club's sitting and i think for the meantime brisbane's challenging so i think while you're on a good thing uh, i think there's other issues that need to sort out and and they're more around those key position and then you know that's due to a bit of injury and stuff like that i wonder if you change the mix. Now, my issue with Jared Lyons is where else can he play? So what's what's the other string to his bow? He played so um, if you... <clears throat> in Adelaide. He played as a half forward for pretty much his whole career there. Yeah, I just don't see that at Brisbane. But uh, also, if I'm running the list at Brisbane, I also want to get more of Zach Bailey in the midfield. So sharing the load so look it's a really interesting take I, I suppose what I'm fearful I'm, I think if he's sitting there in round two I'm probably taking Jared Lyons okay so it does it may be and I think you're right I don't think he gets another 117 so I think he regresses somewhere I, I just don't think it's potentially as low as you're looking at at the moment so while they're contending I think a fit Lockie Neal and a Jared Lyons should work together. Yep. I, I, I think the biggest thing that... The comparison I drew when looking at this one was to Tim Taranto of two years ago, where it was just kind of like everything went his way and he, he just had all of the opportunity to completely smash it. And it was kind of the same for Lyons this year. That's uh, where, where I, my head sort of goes. But they haven't got 15 midfielders like GWS have. That That's what I'm also looking at. Yep. No, understood. It was more, you know, two or three of the key ones really had probably down years. 
Yeah, I, I've got a Brisbane player next, and a lot of the concerns you brought up are the same. But I could have picked three mm. Brisbane players. Lions, Lions wouldn't have been one of them. Oh, wow, really? Yeah. You think he, he'll um, go 100 and... No, I don't think... like uh, uh, Your point's well made. Like, he will regress. Yeah, right? yeah. But yeah, I agree. But I don't think it's going to be... I don't think people... I think he's going to be solid. I think yeah. he's going to be a solid top-end midfielder. I just think okay. he'd be like Taylor Adams, but with a worse name sort of thing. Yeah. Yep. Okay. And and, and like, without a bad injury history. And, and even... Yeah, or, but that sort of player, like, you won't get the attention. And even if you go back this season before at Brisbane, that second half of the year, that's what he did as well. Yeah. So it's actually a more sustained run. Two and a half. Two years. Yeah. Mm. He hasn't done anything wrong. I just what yeah. Stato yeah. said about them changing the mix, which we can't predict. That's that'd be my main concern. Yeah. Okay. Hmm. But, cool. Um, I don't know, Jared Lyons. You're not drafting him at 117. <laughs> well, that's sure. that's it, right? Like you can't. But as to your point before, Steve, no one would anyway because of, it's Jared Lyons. He's got the yeah. name of a. That's, 100... We, we, we yeah. would have said the same thing at the start of this year. Things broke his way, and he just fucking delivered. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Stato, who are you going to rip into next? Yeah, well, it's sad that I'm mentioning this one because I've waited five years um, for this type of season, and unfortunately, I don't think it's something that's going to be sustained. And it's Darcy Parish. Um, but what what we've got to congratulate him is what a magnificent season. 26-point bump on his previous best output, which is quite remarkable. But the role did come with opportunities. So Dylan Chew and Jai Corwell went down in round two. Um, and his opportunities increased even more when Andy McGhost went down as well. So he had sort of three midfielders uh, out of that mix. Um, although it's fair to say it's a bit of an unknown impact with Cordwell because we just don't have enough data. We know exactly um, how Dylan Shields' selection uh, impacts him. So for seven games that Shield and Parrish played together, and I just want to point out that's two games at the start of the season and the last five in the home and away, Darcy scored an average of 79.1. Without him, 15 games, he averaged 117.7. Whoa, this wow. is an amazing difference. Another red flag is he only scored three tons this year against top eight teams, and two of those were in wet games. Sadly, they will have a tougher draw next year, but they also play on Marvel, so there's not many wet games that he gets at Marvel Stadium. And because of the COVID issues, there's been quite a few more games pushed away from that venue this year, which gives him more opportunities to play on a wet deck. As we saw at the final play today, or should I say played four days ago by the time it is this is released, um, that Darcy started the game extremely slow and spent a fair bit of his time starting on the half-forward flank and then rolling through the midfield. So that sort of high half-forward with a bit of a midfield mix um, mashed in. As soon as the rain started coming down, which was late in the first quarter, and for the remainder of the game, he went Burko. So I think there was two minutes to go in the first quarter, 17 points he had. As soon as it got wet, Darcy come into his own. 
He will be rewarded with mid-time. I don't think there's any doubt about that. He is now part of their midfield mix. He has earned it, and he deserves it. So he will have some big games. But an average in the mid to high 90s is actually more realistic than him heading towards the 110. So if you actually looked at at a certain part of the season, I think we're all expecting all of a sudden we've got an uber premium on our hands. I don't think we actually have. I hope I'm wrong because I own him in a keeper. What what happened in quarter three? What happened after halftime to him? Did the game just sort of fall away for the Bombers? Is that what... Oh, that, well, they started to be defeated, but yeah, it was still damn wet, so it was still Darcy's own. Because well, he's, he's kind of, he's gone forty-two points in the opening quarter. You're right, seventeen with about you know five to play or whatever it was, and then he just went, yep. went nuts. Went went nuts. Forty-seven that, um, quarter two, and then basically shit the bed for the rest of the game. Actually, it was eleven yeah. and twenty-two. It's a uh, yeah, in the last two quarters. But if you actually have a look at Dylan Shield, I reckon his second half was much better than his first half. Um, could be wrong there, but but double-check that. But I saw Dylan Shield getting a lot of time in the midfield. I'll tell you what's interesting. But, oh, go on. But that, that average difference, when you're talking yeah. 79 versus 117, that is massive. And and also understand, um, they were in the Josh Josh Dunkley big time last year. So I don't know. It might have the list profile or list review may change a little bit, but they were going hard to have another insider. Yep, yep, you're not wrong. Uh, uh, it really surprised me when you said that Dylan Shield played the last five games of the season. I was like, oh, jeez, you wouldn't. I swear to God, he didn't. But he probably he, he did. It's just like he did he, completely unnotable. He like, wasn't starting yeah. and, in the midfield and, a great deal. Or, no, or correct. All. Yeah, and and he was slowly building, and that that's the key issue with Das is that he, those two players are very very similar, so they're going to end up sharing the role. So it's going to be a half forward slant midfield mix. He, he's done well enough this year that he'll still get mid time. He's just not going to get the run that he had from round three to, I think, around 17 like he did this year. It's just not going to happen unless injuries occur. But you've got Zach Merritt, you've got Stringer, you've got Shield, you've got Corbwell, who started that game, that final, so well. So we still haven't seen the impact he made, but he was in the guts and he was playing extremely well. Uh, then you've got Zerrett. And then you've got Darcy Parrish. There's a lot to give time to. Yep. Yeah, love it. Don't think there's any surprises for the listeners that we've um, targeted teams that just had a raft of players out and someone benefited. So it's always, always what we're talking about here, the uh, internal competition and your team's market share. I'm going to talk about Dane Zorko. Dane oh, yeah. Zorko. So it was his second best. Like a, like avoiding the old blokes. Let's go to someone that's turning thirty three. No worries. <laughs> Is it thirty three? It's good. Thirty four. Yeah, well, I think I think so. Yeah. Well, the challenge was set. Didn't mean we fucking won. Delivered. <laughs> 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 yeah. Thirty three. So, 
but he, but he doesn't play like a 33-year-old. <laughs> no, you're right. You're right. That is fair. It, it's one of those, as soon as they start their senior, like their AFL career later, so he's got, he's, yeah. Isaac Smith's the same. Yeah. He started late. No, he can play for longer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. He wasn't playing any other football at all. It's fine. Yeah, that's worry. right. He was doing nothing. He was, he was just laying down, relaxing. <laughs> Anyway, so it was Dane Zorko's second best season, 109 Dream Team, 109 Supercoach. Absolutely kicked it in the um, dick for owners this year. Most ever marks per game uh, for Zorko this year. Stack of disposals, stack of tackles. Um, just absolute stat collecting freak. Uh, only took 48% CBAs, so it wasn't like he just got a raft of midfield time. So unless he was starting on the wing, I'd expect him to potentially retain that for, he should retain that forward status. Uh, but like Cam said, a fit Lockie Neal, it's a possession hog. But really the guys who I'd be more worried about are a fit Jared Berry who can play so yeah. well on the outside and a, and a fit Cam Rayner who is not is a target up forward. I know they were looking at him in, in the midfield. Um, I'm, I don't know if that'll happen straight away off the knee, but no. um, you'd expect him to, to attract some football in the in the forward line. I don't think uh, Zorko falls off a cliff, but when you compare... like The thing that is just mind-blowing is how many kicks this guy gets. Like It is unbelievable. The players um, sort of in his range with his kick-to-handball ratio, he gets 17 kicks. The rest of them are getting like... The, the best numbers are like 12. Like it, He's just so far and away... Um, in front of him, I just can't see that continuing. I think he comes back probably nine points a game in your um, AFL fantasy, which doesn't sound like a lot, but it's two kicks and a mark. Um, but that's going to slide you back under a hundred average. It's going to make you uh, less valuable. Maybe you still return valuable, uh, still return draft value. But I think if he comes in as a forward, he's going to be in the mix for a top five pick with those sort of numbers. Um, He'll be he'll be in line with Rowan Marshall as the top forward, I'd expect. Um, so I'm I'm cagey about Dane Zorko and, and what he can return next year. Fantastic player, love watching him play. Um, just an absolute superstar who dominates. But uh, he's coming back to the pack next year. Well, as the resident uh, uh, ageist and the youngest member of the panel, uh, him turning 33 in February sort of. It automatically turns me off, but we have seen players in their um, verging on their their mid thirties still perform well. Um, but I think you you might be on the mark with the role. So uh, I'm really keen if if I was managing the list and and coaching the club to really start bringing Zach Barty through the midfield. And I reckon Cam Rayner allows that to happen. Now, you'd, I don't think you want to lose Neil and Lyons. Um, so I think bringing someone like uh, a Zach Bailey in gives him a bit of that little X factor that actually Zorko has shown in the past. So I think he'll still lead. I think he'll still have good games. But maybe the amount of footy he gets will be reduced a little bit just because of the role he plays. So I think that's fair. Good take. I still think he's a top six forward. Yeah, and that hands down. And, and that's where it's. Is he going to regress to the point where he costs you in drafts? 
Mm. Like you know what I mean? If you say you draft him as a top three forward and the and the other forwards kind of shit the bed and he kind of finishes there, um, does he hurt you that much? Possibly I, not. I think. Yeah, I haven't done the rankings yet, so it's it, it all depends who the potential breakouts are. But I, I wouldn't have thought he drops a lot of tears. So I. If if you end up getting him one tier too early, but he still ends up being your your best forward, it's not the end of the world. Yeah, I, th- I yeah, think there's a, yeah a lot of people are going to slide him anyway, right? People, really? Yeah, I, I no, I would I wouldn't have thought so. I, I I don't think people look at Zorko and think he's thirty three. Look at the numbers, man. It's just I like hundred, 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 hundred. I know the numbers are crazy, right? But it's like if you've got if you're ranking your top five forwards, right? And there's maybe two tiers in those forwards. Yeah, are you taking the 33 year old guy, or are you taking someone else? When's he injured? Yeah, I know. But that's but that's right. I mate, I just made the point that Kyle Langford will probably come out on averages pretty like he'll be a top eight forward by average. Yeah. Well, is it? Yeah, he'll be. It's not good. It's not. He'll be. He will be, um, he'll be the highest averaging forward by f- sixteen points. Yeah, by sixteen points. So he's uh, one hundred nine and was one hundred eight point nine. And Isaac Smith, who I don't know, retains. To be fair, I don't know if he does. He'll get, he'll get back status. He, actually, would be my guess. Um, yeah. So he might not even have forward status. I think. Josh Dunkley will be second. His average was 91.5. So 109 versus 91.5. Yeah, they're taking him. (laughs) (laughs) And your next is Rowan Marshall at 89. So you're talking 20 points lower. And then still by side bottom who's sliding. Yeah. Um, Patrick Dangerfield, don't know if he'll retain it, but if he does, he's sliding. Chad Wingard. Jesus Christ, it's ugly. Oh, my God, it's so Kyle ugly. Langf- Kyle Langford. So um, Steve just fucking hates forwards. I think he's setting up a draft where you you pick nine defenders and 16 midfielders and then you bench. <laughs> yeah, that's a good league. That's a good <laughs> um, sorry, can I go? The, sorry, the next one. This is where we're going with this. Matthew Kennedy's next. So he'll, don't know whether he keeps it. forward yeah. status. Um, Jarman Impey. He'll lose it. Losing it. Toby sure. Green. Yeah. Um, Jaden Stevenson, bike riding. Um, so he's next. Uh, Jordan Degoe, there you go. Um, but I don't think he'll keep it, will he? I think he'll go pretty close. He played at least five, no, eight rounds or nine rounds in, in the forward, surely. Yeah. Um, and then you're starting to get Dusty Martin. Uh, Taran Thomas, there you go. Taran <laughs> Thomas is going, he's going to be... Is it Taran? He's, it's Taran. Oh, Okay. That's the correct pronunciation. Okay, fair enough. Pronunciation. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, the, um, uh, he possibly is our F4. <laughs> Maybe 5. 
It's that, and that's quite serious. That that's probably because I think he's got enough upside. I mean, he finished with a hundred and two yeah. yeah. in his last five. I, I think he's right up there. So him, Jordan Degoe, um Rowan Marshall, Josh Dunkley, and Dane Zorko. Like I'm doing my best at this the same point in time, scrolling through the midfielders, looking at who might just get forward status to start the season and and maybe give us something <laughs> a little bit better than what you've just read out. And it is Sorry. dire. <laughs> it's, I can't see the only like Josh Kelly, will he keep it? Probably not. Like No. And there's just no, no they're all midfielders. No. They're all just straight midfielders. And that's where if if people like say people think Zorko's gonna continue on his merry way, and that's fine. Um they will say draft him in the top five when it's that sort of separation. And and they'd be right too, if you feel that he's gonna do yeah. that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. So. Because at the end of the day it's actually less about his average, it's just about how much more he scores than the next forward. Yeah. Interesting discussions. Yeah. We didn't even touch on Jack Zebel. What does he do? Oh, well, he's a defender anyway. Yeah, I know, but he's set for regression. We were doing the regression pod. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I thought, you to- I thought you were still linking to the forward. I'm going, no, he's not going to be a forward next year. You've got to keep you on your toes. Just... <laughs> did we get any questions this week? Or uh, did I didn't ask, ask for questions question? so much, but I did ask people... To say, uh, if the Draft Doctor's podcast was a song, uh, what song would it be? And we had some interesting uh, responses. Breno thought that we are literally the song and the scene from Billy Madison, where uh, Billy Madison rolls up in the Pontiac uh, to high school and, and takes off the jacket and sits on his car to, um, what is it, the, the streak, the stroke, the song? And all the kids are just like looking at him like he's a massive wanker. And he thought that we were Billy Madison in this scene and other podcasters were the kids on the hill. <laughs> so we're a bunch of wankers is what he's saying. Yeah. Accurate. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, there, was, there was some good ones. Um, oh, can I borrow a feeling? Oh, so, yes. Um, what else? A few tism, a few tism ones. Hey, Greg, um, the stop sign. Yeah, nice day to go to the pub. I get a, someone said I'd get around Paddy now, but that was oh, that was Cox. So you'd expect some um, football drunk, which I hadn't heard before, but it's by Frenchie, uh, the comedian. So don't know about that one. Right, said Fred. I'm too sexy. Uh, hey. Mad. So that was yeah, I can get around that. There was some. Um, Boob Scotch. I've never heard this. I don't know that. Boob Scotch. No, don't know it. Sounds either. delicious. <laughs> Simon thinks nothing else matters by Metallica. Hey, that's very nice of them. You don't win. You're friends saying with only our podcast matters. <laughs> you don't win friends with salad. Yeah, that was a bit harsh. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> that was a bit harsh. Little Miss can't be wrong. Gang bang at the spin the, doctors. Yeah. That, that's about because it's the spin doctors. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, not the yeah. Okay. Uh gang bang at the old folks' home, which. <laughs> um, this is a family podcast, uh, and friends are wrong. <laughs> Never had so much fun. Yeah, that's that's always oh, fun. That's very nice. Days. We appreciate those answers. They were good, but um, 
the gang. I listened to the gang bang at the old folks' home song, and um, quite a lot going on there. Not going to lie. Anyway, next week, what are we talking? What are we talking next week? Well, what are we doing? You're under twenty twos. Are we still waiting on the? Uh, well, uh, this is a discussion for when we complete the pod, but uh, I've got a few uh, busy weeks coming up. Uh, okay. So as soon as those busy weeks uh, are put to bed, we'll be rolling out. So I'll start working it in the background. Uh, and as soon as I return, which will be uh, unsure if it's two or three weeks that I'll be having off uh, listeners. But when we first episode back will be the 22 under 22. Huge. Uh, we'll talk forgiveness, please. We usually pair that. Oh, with I love it. Candidates. Love yeah. forgiveness, please. So good. Okay. Probably my favourite Simpsons joke. Yeah, amazing. <laughs> it's definitely right up there. All right, thanks, listeners, for uh, tuning in. We will see you. Well, we won't see you. You'll hear us <laughs> next time.